0: I don't know anybody who loves their private health insurance. Now, I do know people who like it because it's better than somebody else's. But think about that. The <laughs> only reason they like it is because it's better than somebody else's. And and that, that's just not right.
1: Alrighty, welcome to the Deaf Panel. We are back as part of Medicare for All Week. Vince and I are here with a fantastic guest, Dr. Victoria Dooley, who is a family medicine doctor in Michigan, as well as a national surrogate for the 2020 Sanders campaign. Dr. Dooley, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. We're so happy to have you on, especially as part of this series, because, you know, It's coming out between Iowa and New Hampshire, and I think in particular, you know, the Sanders campaign is incredibly issue-focused, and we just kind of want to remind people that What it is that they're really, really fighting for that week when it's just going to be an onslaught of these points, these polls, New Hampshire, primary, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So I think this is going to be a really good conversation because we haven't really had the chance to sit down with a lot of providers to talk about Medicare for all. And one of the things that was so compelling about um, the first video I ever saw of you was your experience with your patients in Michigan and, um, how obvious it's, it is to you that we need Medicare for all. Do you think you could describe sort of your background and, and your practice and, um, who you are a little bit for the for the listeners? Absolutely. Well, um I completed my training at Wayne State University in Detroit,
0: um, my, my medical school. And then I went on for my residency after medical school, you have to do a residency, and I spent my residency in Flint, Michigan. Oh. and um, Flint, Michigan, had its own unique set of challenges. Um, I was not there at the time when we knew about the lead poisoning, but I did deliver. Some of those um, babies that were subsequently poisoned by lead water, um, and so oh, what I so awful. it is it is, and and so what I've noticed in 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 my relatively short career in medicine is that more and more people are not able to afford the care that they need. Um, when you look at a community that's mainly Medicaid, um, mm-hmm. with Medicaid most of the time. Everything's covered. You might mm-hmm. not have the um, top tier priority medicine covered, but there's going to be something covered that you can get and in, in, in that you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, in Flint, a, a lot of what I prescribed was like the $4 prescription list. Um, mm-hmm. that you could get at Walmart. So mm-hmm. I really didn't learn fancy brand name drugs because nobody really <laughs> had insurance and nobody could afford those things. Mm-hmm. And so now I, I I practice in Metro Detroit and I have a very diverse practice, um, urban and suburban people travel to come see me. I'm a physician of color. and And so patients of color seek me out. And mm-hmm. nobody really has these quote, unquote, good insurances that we had uh, decades ago. <laughs> um, every year, more and more of my patients are telling me, I'm not going to be able to see you as often as I would like. My employer has switched to a high deductible plan. Oh, and dear. so you have people who are have to pay five, $7,000 out of pocket before their insurance even kicks in. And what that leads to is that leads to self-rationing um, people don't go to the doctor when they really would if cost wasn't an obstacle, mm-hmm. and so it's affecting people from all walks of life. Um, and I feel like it's something that we should be able to rally around as a nation. I have patients who make near minimum min- near minimum wage who complain about health healthcare costs, and I have patients who who make way more, and they're <laughs> all complaining about healthcare costs. So this is not just a rich versus poor or a white versus Black issue. This is something that I, Medicare for all, is something that all Americans should be able to rally behind.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. I mean, though it is worth saying, though, that the the racial disparities in healthcare are pretty extreme right now. Is that correct?
0: They are. They are. And I'm really passionate about eliminating health disparities. Um, Medicare for all is health care for all, Um, but it's also health care justice for all. Um, When when I think about Mm -hmm. uh, the the lovely patients I had in Flint um, who are poisoned with lead water and they're going to have lifelong health problems, being able to have insurance no matter you work or not, being able to go to see any doctor at any hospital you want, that's justice for them. Um, Mm -hmm. the shooting victims of Las Vegas when Mm -hmm. they had to set up GoFundMes to take care of their medical bills. I mean, these are people who are going to have PTSD and lifelong issues and they have to set up GoFundMes. And that's just insane. So Medicare for All is healthcare justice for those victims. It's healthcare justice for the children who were poisoned in Flint. And so Medicare for All, it goes beyond just healthcare. It's a justice issue.
1: Yeah, Mm -hmm. totally. I mean, one of the things that we've talked about a lot is, um, you know, just the impact of racial disparities and how that can just lead people to either never become patients or become much more complicated patients because they're simply not getting the treatment that they need. And I think Flint is a really, really good example, but sort of. Um, across the nation, like what, what is at stake for communities of color right now? Oh, my goodness. There's so much at stake. African-Americans, we have the
0: highest incidence of hypertension in the world. Mm-hmm. Um, black men are more likely to die from even low grade forms of Uh, prostate cancer, Um, the black maternal mortality rates are astronomical compared to white communities. Um, So this is a life and death situation. And so when I talk about Medicare for all, it's important because um, the only way that I can ensure that all people who look like me, all black people, all brown people, all poor people, all native people are insured is if we guarantee health insurance for everyone. Because if everyone is included, nobody, including nobody who is black and brown can be excluded. And so some people will say to me, well, you know, Medicare for all isn't going to eliminate racism. And that is true. It's not. Right. Mm -hmm. But before you can even be discriminated against by a doctor, you have Mm -hmm. to have the means and the access to get to a doctor. Right. You need a a seat at the table. So Mm -hmm. so step one, is to eliminate all financial hurt, hurdles and obstacles to getting care. That's step one. Mm-hmm. Hell step yeah. We're, we're very good with that. <laughs> step two, um, providers need to believe Black patients. They do. And mm-hmm. at part of Senator Sanders' Medicare for All bill, part of the bill, the bill's online, you can read it all, is um, – A section where he makes it illegal for providers to discriminate against people because of race or gender or or other qualities. And when you think about something like that, um, it's against the law for landlords to discriminate against people. So Mm -hmm. why shouldn't it be against the law for providers to discriminate against people because of their race? I mean, these are life and death stakes that we're talking about. Just refusing to believe somebody simply because they're black or brown uh, it could be a matter of life or death for them. Mm-hmm. And the Sanders campaign has a wonderful surrogate, my sister, my Bernie sister, who I love, Amy Valella, um, whose daughter identified as black. She was biracial and she went to a hospital and she felt like they weren't listening to her. They didn't believe her and mm-hmm. she died because of it. So yes, Medicare for all is step one in achieving racial health Um, equality. And step two is putting providers on notice that, hey, as part of this law, you are going to have to be trained in providing culturally competent care. (laughs) Because when you don't believe Black women, when you don't believe Black patients, they can die. And that's not right. Mm -hmm. And that's what his bill does. And I think a lot of people don't realize that there is um, a section titled health addressing health disparities in his bill. And um, it does make it illegal for providers to discriminate based on race. And, you know, we need to get some more education in, in med sc- at a med school level, um, mm-hmm. not just doctors, but right. nurses, medical students to eliminate some of these racist tropes. Um, <laughs> yeah. I heard a lot about um, medication noncompliance uh, as a mm. medical student, at as a resident. And I was like, oh, they're just noncompliant with their medicine. But, you know, why are they noncompliant? Are they Mm -hmm. noncompliant with their medication because they can't afford it because they make $12 an hour and their insulin costs them $250 a month and they have to have a car and they have to have gas and they have to have a place to live? They never really delve into the reasons why. Um, Mm -hmm. And uh, a super not funny. It just, (laughs) I have to laugh to keep from crying. Yeah. Um, That's, that's kind of our motto here. So. (laughs) Yeah. So insurance companies, some insurance companies, they'll kind of rate doctors based on a checklist of criteria. And one of those criteria might be how well your diabetes, your people with diabetes are controlled. And it's Uh like my people with diabetes who have Uncontrolled diabetes don't have uncontrolled diabetes just because I'm not prescribing their insulin. Their diabetes right. <laughs> is uncontrolled because they can't afford it because you, the insurance company, right, don't cover uh, it in full. Right. So it's not you don't check yourself and say, oh wait, we really want people living with diabetes to have good control. We're gonna let them get insulin for free. You say no, we're gonna say that the doctor is not a quote unquote good doctor if if they don't help to get their numbers down. we're, we're Wow. the issue is so much deeper, we have to talk about the social determinants of health, and that's yeah. what senator sanders does
2: Abs- absolutely i think that's uh it's really interesting that you you mention um noncompliance because we actually just uh covered a a really interesting study um that that essentially compared uh patients on VA healthcare with uh,
1: who basically have a maximum out of pocket of, of eleven dollars a month with right. okay. literally everyone else. and the uh, rate of compliance seems to be wholly dependent on the cost of medication from that study. And what um, a thunk it. Yeah,
2: <laughs> yeah exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, the amazing thing was that no one had really done this study in a while. Um, we talked to Adam Gaffney about it actually as part of Medicare for all week. So if you haven't heard that episode, go ahead and listen to that one. Um, <laughs> he's amazing yeah I mean but that puts that puts so much more at stake for doctors who treat communities that are low income um, you know like for for providers beyond just uh, the emotional uh burden of having people that you can't help that's completely out of your hands and not for any medical necessity you can't help them but on top of that those sort of compounding um, both pay disparity and um the system that you were talking about, about doctors being rated based on compliance and outcomes, seems to actually put providers who serve communities of color at risk. It does, and it leads to burnout. Um, I
0: went into medicine, and most people do. Of course, there's a couple people who just, oh, you know, how can I make the most money? But that is not the vast majority of doctors. Mm-hmm. And I went into medicine because I, I want to feel like I'm helping people accomplish some of their goals. And some days, I would come home and I'm just like, did I accomplish anything today? Because all I did is order a whole bunch of tests and a whole bunch of medicines that I know people cannot afford. So that leads to my overall job dissatisfactions and feelings of of burnout. And you think of something as simple as I might have a patient who has asthma and they know what inhaler they need um, to control their asthma and help them breathe. And all of a sudden... An employer will just decide out of the blue, we're not gonna play for this asthma inhaler anymore that you've been using for years. Mm-hmm. And the patient mm-hmm. knows what works for them. I know, cause we've tried pretty much every one on the market before we found the one that worked for them. Right. And so there's this process called prior authorization, which mm-hmm. this is a fancy way to, to, to essentially kill people. People can die <laughs> while <Yeah>. they're waiting, <laughs> while they're waiting to get their prior authorizations yep. done. They really can. And sometimes I can't even get the prior authorization because at the end of the day, after I spent all this time on the phone trying to get my patient the medicine that they need just to breathe, Mm -hmm. they'll say, look, we can't get prior authorization. The employer just opted out of covering this medicine. That's it. They just opted out of paying for it. And so my job is is supposed to be something that um, I feel that I can make a huge difference in people's lives. And I'm not saying that I never do. Um, mm-hmm. I know I do. I have wonderful patients and they do tell me, but it's the times when I know what my patient needs. They know what they need, but I just know mm-hmm. that there's no way that they're going to be able to afford it. That it, it, it just makes being a doctor in this day and age just very, very tough. Mm-hmm.
2: And, um, uh, you had a like a really interesting um, paragraph in this in this great article that you wrote uh, for Jacobin recently where you basically talk about potentially, you know, we are going to need more doctors if more people are getting care under Medicare for all. And, and the Sanders making policy, um, such that more doctors and med students of color can essentially like move through the process and, and fill a lot of those new spaces. Can you speak to that a little bit more?
0: Yes. Well, evidence shows that when patients of color have a doctor that looks like them, they're usually have better health outcomes and who, who knows exactly why Uh, you you don't know. Um, but I do know that, uh, The African-American community specifically, we have pretty good reasons to be distrusting of the medical community. All you have to do is think about something like the Tuskegee uh, experiments. So we have reasons in history to be a little bit distrusting of the medical community, especially if the person doesn't have the same skin color as we do, and um, we do need more Black and Brown and Latino physicians. And and part of the obstacle is absolutely the cost, the astronomical cost that it takes to become um, a physician. Um, I have, mm-hmm. I, I try not to think about it you know, to keep up with it (laughs) because it's depressing. But $350,000 or something like that. It might be up to a half a million now for all I know. I don't know. But I have all this medical debt that I had to incur um, just because I had a goal to go into the healing profession. Mm-hmm. And as a primary care f- physician, I don't make as much as maybe who's the top making doctor or orthopedic surgeon. So um, that's a huge debt burden. And so you mm-hmm. have a lot of people of color who would absolutely love to be a doctor, but they might be the first person in their household who ever even thought about college. Mm-hmm. And so now they have that obstacle to overcome. And then you have to, to, to think about the hundreds of thousands of dollars of debt that you're going to have to occur to mm-hmm. achieve this goal. And so that's why I'm really excited about Sanders policies to cancel student debt. Um, Mm -hmm. I believe that there should be no means testings involved with canceling student debt. Um, Mm -hmm. There should be no caps to it. You shouldn't have to fill out some forms and meet a checklist of criteria to get your student Mm -hmm. debt canceled. Um, Student debt crisis. It is a crisis for everyone, including doctors. Mm -hmm. Um, So canceling all of All student debt for everyone will include those doctors who have hundreds of thousands of dollars in student debt and it will free them up. Somebody like me um, as a as a as a black female physician, um, Mm -hmm. I have staff members that I have to pay employees. They, They and their families depend on me. I have my own children. I cannot practice exclusively in an area where there's only Medicaid. I would not be able to pay my rent. I would Mm -hmm. not be able to pay my employees. So canceling that huge debt, which is a mortgage, a huge mortgage, would free me up to practice in an area, uh, more of people, even more people who look like me because I don't have this huge financial burden. It would free Mm -hmm. me up to hire a nurse practitioner or PA to help me so that I can see more patients. Mm -hmm. And then Senator Sanders has plans to make... Undergraduate um, and trade schools free, um, which Mm -hmm. is a huge deal, including billions of dollars invested in HBCUs, historically black Mm -hmm. colleges and universities. And all those actions are absolutely going to help get more black and brown doctors in the field, um, so that we could at least have a proportionate amount of doctors of colors for the population.
1: Right, which yeah. will also improve the amount of doctors or or allow more doctors to work in rural healthcare settings, which is another major issue that we have right now when doctors come out of medical school with so much debt. And then after residency and fellowship, um, I'm a frequent patient, unfortunately, and a lot of the residents that I meet in the ER are living on people's couches because they can't even afford rent because they're so burdened by debt um, and these are people working in like a high volume trauma er in new york city who really should um, be able to sleep when they can absolutely you know?
0: absolutely
1: and people who are more most likely to practice in Rural areas are people
0: who are from rural areas and you have similar issues. It's it's the huge debt burden um, yeah. that you have to incur. And so maybe if you are lucky enough to to get the loans to accumulate that debt, then you have mm-hmm. to pay it off and mm-hmm. you might not have the patient volume that you need to pay it off in a rural area. Right. Right.
2: Right. And it, I mean, it. yeah, it just goes to show why like, you know, rural providers are just completely Uh, strapped at the moment and and closing. I mean, it's like it's sort of obvious, right? I mean, you know, none of this when you when you think about it should really be surprising in any way. Um, It shouldn't.
0: It shouldn't. Right.
1: So now this is Medicare for all week. So hypothetically speaking, why actual Medicare for all and not. A 10 year glide path towards a public option? (laughs)
0: Excellent question. Well, public option is a program that's destined to fail. Public option is a way for politicians say, hey, look, we tried. We were going to do Medicare for all. We, <laughs> we started it by having this pub, public option and that didn't work. So let's scrap <laughs> Medicare for all. And that's what their donors want. Big Pharma mm-hmm. and the private health insurance companies, that's what they want. They don't want a single payer Medicare for all system. But what public option will do is it will lead to a, a two tiered system where you'll have mm-hmm. people who are able to um, stay with good employer insurance and they'll get priority when they call doctors to schedule. And you have people who are in this public option who are the sicker people, um, the people who don't make as much money and and they're not going to get as, as as good of care. So public Mm -hmm. option really leads to this tiered system. Whereas with Medicare for All, if everyone is in, if everyone is invested, um, the system is going to work for everyone because you have the rich people just as invested in the system as a whole as the poor people. If Mm -hmm. you split the system into okay, we're gonna have this one system of healthcare for the rich and another for the poor, who's gonna get worse care? It's gonna be the people (laughs) who are poor.
1: But if you say, hey,
0: we have one system and there's rich people and poor people all in this system, you better believe the rich people and their resources and their access are going to make sure that the system is good because they have to use the system, too. Exactly. So, So. so public option, um, it, it's a cop-out. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know anybody who loves their private health insurance. Now, I do know people who like it because it's better than somebody else's. But think about that. The mm-hmm. only reason <laughs> they like it is because it's better than somebody else's. And and that that's just not right. You shouldn't have some people. It should be healthcare, not wealth care.
1: And mm-hmm. at the rate
0: we're yeah. going, the rate of inflation for healthcare it is more rising more rapidly than the rate of inflation for other things, and these handful of people who think they have really good insurance, all they needed was wait a few more years. It's not. Their deductibles are gonna go up. <laughs> Their networks are gonna become more restrictive. It's impossible to maintain this current system that is costly and inefficient. It's just impossible. So the best way to deliver care is to have one system that covers everyone and then you eliminate all this administrative red tape. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. you think about it, when you're paying for healthcare if you have any healthcare dollars left, they should be used to take care of you or your family member or someone else when they're mm-hmm. sick. If there's any change after you put paid your premium and deductible, if there's any change, that's sure damn change. There shouldn't be some healthcare <laughs> CEO sailing around in their yacht with your change. No. No. They do not add anything to your care. And because mm-hmm. our system of politics allows. For lobbyists and and mm-hmm. corporate donations, we need we need fi- uh, campaign finance reform, as Senator Sanders talks about. But when somebody is paying you to say, "Hey, you need to keep us around,"
2: right? It's that's never going to change. Eh,
0: we're going to change. So yeah, we need to eliminate the middleman. Um, at the end of the day, what does a healthcare company do for you? They they're not the doctor, so they don't deliver the care for you. They will pay for your medications or your office visits. After you've paid your premium, your deductible, your copay, your coinsurance, et cetera, et cetera. (laughs) And nowadays, more people are understanding that it's usually cheaper to get prescriptions with no insurance than it is with insurance. (laughs) So you can go to the pharmacy and the pharmacy could tell you your insurance allows $50 for this medication. I can say, well, how much is this medication cash? $20. So what have they added? What has the insurance company added for you? They've added nothing. Mm -hmm. So public option is pretty much just more of the same. Um, With the Affordable Care Act, we insured more people, but there's still more, underinsured people. So mm-hmm. we are we went from a nation of a lot of un, uninsured to less uninsured, but even more people who are underinsured. Everybody's mm-hmm. copay, deductibles, ex- co-insurance, what even is a co-insurance? I don't really understand what that is, but anyway. No. <laughs> yeah. All their, your out of pocket costs are rising. So if the mm-hmm. Affordable Care Act did not solve the rationing insulin crisis, the rising deductible crisis, there is no way that public option is going to solve that crisis because public Mm -hmm. option is just more of the same, more of the Affordable Mm -hmm. Care Act. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And
2: and I mean, the other thing is it's so obvious if if a public option, if, if you were to make a public option that was as generous as, say, Medicare for all, Why, why would like what, for what reason would you even need private insurance? Exactly.
0: Yeah, exactly. There would be no need for it. So it's just politicians way of, um, and there's a, there's a gentleman, um, oh gosh, I forget his name, but basically he worked for the health insurance company and and he talked about how they know, um, that there is no choice with employer based health insurance. Um, You might have two options, but if you're a family, the one option is going to cost you way more than the other, right? So you really have no choice. You're going to to pick the more affordable option. And -hmm. then you really have no choice with employer- sponsored health insurance, but with Mm -hmm. a single payer Medicare for all, you have Mm -hmm. tons of choice because Mm -hmm. if you're going to be a doctor, if you're going to be a hospital and you're going to accept insurance, you have to accept Medicare for all. Now, Mm -hmm. might there be one or two people who decide we're not going to accept Medicare for all? We're going to only do cash only. Well, you know, good luck with them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think think we can all wish them
2: well and they can go on their way.
0: Right. And nowadays, the crazy thing is people aren't even able to... to, to, to decide their own pharmacy nowadays. Like right, I have yeah. patients all the time telling me, hey, I like you know, I like ABC Pharmacy but my insurance says in order for them to pay for my medicines I have to go to XYZ Pharmacy. How crazy is that? There mm-hmm. is no choice in private health insurance but with mm-hmm. a single payer, Medicare for all, you will be able to go to whatever pharmacy, whatever doctor, whatever hospital you want and you won't have to worry about are they a network? Am I going to get a surprise bill? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I think that like, you know, when people when other politicians talk about <laughs> hard, you know, sort of union hard fought contracts for private insurance and uh, people who they've somehow managed to find who really happen to like their insurance. I mean, it it leaves out the fact that all of those people are subject to their you know employment status. I mean, you know,
0: you can keep your insurance as long as you don't get fired. You can keep your insurance mm-hmm. as long as your company doesn't go bankrupt. You can keep your insurance as long as your company doesn't decide. You know what? We're going to change insurances because it's no longer affordable for us.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just a. It's such a disingenuous argument. You know, when when they're able to find people who who say, "Oh, we love our my union insurance." I mean, it's it like this that Medicare for all would be better for unions too. I mean, it's, It's just a no brainer.
0: And Senator Sanders has a plan for a just transition for workers who are displaced by Medicare for all. They're going to have financial assistance. They're going to have free training to have, make sure that they are able to transition to um, other employment. So just transition and what unions are going to be able to do is they're going to be able to get that money in their paycheck um, Mm -hmm. because he says, if you're a union and you've negotiated, you know, this, this this uh, wonderful healthcare plan. Once we have Medicare for all, the money that your company saves has to go back to the workers. Right. Mm-hmm. So the, to say that unions are gonna somehow lose something with a Sanders vision of a Medicare for all, is just a flat out lie. They're gonna yeah. gain money oh, in their pocket.
1: Sure. Money in I their mean, pocket. Unions have been losing under a private insurance model for decades now. Um, they you can't know, get
0: a, a, a salary increase because mm-hmm. the cost of healthcare can, has gone up.
1: Mm-hmm. And when that when that becomes such an important bargaining chip in the process of, of any union negotiation, you know, to preserve people's health insurance, so much has been given up. In the union fight. You have no time to, to, to work on anything else mm-hmm. because you spent so much
0: time and energy and effort on health care. And then what did GM do when the workers went, went on strike? What did they do mm-hmm. to them? The, the health care that, that, oh, I, I like my, my employer sponsored health care from GM. What did GM do to them when they went on strike? They took it away. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. They took away their health care. That would never happen with Medicare for all. Medicare for all is freedom for all. You know, I have people, they come to my office and and they're stressed because they're overworked and underpaid. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm like, you know, have you considered another job? And they're like, Dr. Dooley, you know, I got high blood pressure, diabetes, and sleep apnea. I hate my job, but (laughs) at least it has good insurance. If I quit my job, I can't guarantee that same medications aren't being covered on new insurance. And then on top of that, there might be a 90 day waiting period as a new employee Mm -hmm. before they even get insurance. So what are Mm -hmm. they supposed to do for 90 days? And they're on several different medications that what are they supposed to do?
2: Right. right. So, And then frees- you talk about noncompliance, right? Exactly. Exactly.
0: And yeah. then it allows people to work where they want to work because some people, you know, they don't, they're not really, they don't love their job. They're not passionate about it. They're there for the benefits. But if you don't have to work somewhere just so that you can afford your insulin, you can work where you like to work. And that's going to lead to more productive and more happy workers because, Mm -hmm. you know, you're getting somebody who wants to work for you because they want to work for you. They're not just working for you because you are offering good health insurance benefits because everybody's going to have great health insurance benefits with Medicare for All. So it's going to be so freeing. Um, It's going to be freeing for patients. It's going to be freeing for employers and unions. It's going to be freeing for doctors. And let's face it, this is the way they do it in every other um, (laughs) industrialized nation in the world. Um, I was recently out of the country and I I met a pharmacist from Mm -hmm. Australia. And she was telling me a little bit about her system and how she had a patient who who had left Australia and came to the U.S. Mm -hmm. and needed a medication and just was shocked by how much money it, had, it would cost them here in the U.S. And they were going to be gone for a few weeks and they, had, and they had called her while they were on vacation in the U.S., called their pharmacist back in Australia and said, do I really need this medicine or can I go a few weeks without it? Because I'm in the my U.S. God. and I left my medicine on Australia and it's going to cost so much money. Oh my goodness. And then she was telling me about, um, there's a hepatitis C drug mm-hmm. that costs, I don't know, it's like 6 Tens of thousands of dollars to the cure r- hep- the really, really expensive new right, one, right? To cure yeah. hepatitis yeah. C. Well, in Australia, they just negotiated and they pay 10% of what we pay in the US for this wow. medication <laughs> to cure people from hepatitis C. So, mm. we in the US, it's kind of hard for us to wrap our heads around the idea that, yeah, you know what? <laughs> you can go to the doctor and leave mm-hmm. and not pay anything. It's hard. Mm-hmm. They, right. they don't understand the concept because they never lived in that time. But in mm-hmm. some of these other developed nations, they don't understand how we go to the doctor and have to whip out our wallets. It's just yeah. as <laughs> foreign to them. And, you know, when I was a little kid, um, I didn't have the Internet. I'm, I'm, I'm giving my age a little bit. And so we had encyclopedias and we weren't a super rich family. And, you know, we couldn't buy the whole set of encyclopedias, the whole alphabet at once. We'd pick up a couple at a time. And so, Mm -hmm. you know... I had to do a report on the aardvark and I just was excited, you know, <laughs> hopefully we'll get the whole set of encyclopedias so maybe I could do the, a report on the zebra instead of on the aardvark. And if mm-hmm. you would have told me then that, hey, one day you're going to have this little thing in your hand and you're going to, it's going to be connected to this thing called the internet. And you're just going to be able to get all the information you need. My mind <laughs> would have been blown. I would right. not have been able to wrap my mind around it. And that's how we're acting, some of us in the US. We, we just can't get that concept in our, in our brain, like, how is this possible? Like, I pay so much money for my health insurance. How is it possible that you're telling me that one day I can just go to the doctor and pay nothing?
2: Right. Right. Well,
0: (laughs) go visit Canada. I mean, it's possible. We're doing it and it's going to actually save us money. We cannot afford to go on the current route that we're going. There is a better way Every other developed nation in the world is doing it, and I know it's hard to wrap your mind around it. But there is no country who has went to a universal system who said, "You know what? This isn't working out. Let's switch back."
2: (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) I. I mean, it, it is actually worth noting that, like, you know, this all of the sort of pundit class of you know, people who sort of hand about like how much will this cost? It, and it,
1: it, legislative impossibilities. Yeah.
2: It's worth, I mean, it's worth like just talking for a second about the fact that like this entire plan is intended also to save an enormous amount of money.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. On time. I mean, a lot of my doctors that, you know, I've been talking to them and a lot of them are in uh, faculty practices. So they're not in fee for service payment. Huh? Um, and, uh, you know, to them, it's Medicare for all means that they can reclaim their time to practice Absolutely. more. Absolutely. Um, one one approval process, one formulary, one set of forms. Right now, there's a different set of forms for every single insurance company. And sometimes depending on which type of plan or which level of plan, um, it's different. And so you have um, all of these small practices that just can't stay open anymore because they can't even afford to do their own billing afford it you can't afford it Um, i am a small practice i'm hanging in there as long
0: as i can Um, when i graduated uh, residency as a female color i was offered 65 cents on the dollar compared to my white mm-hmm. male colleagues. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? This is, if anybody's going to underpay me, it's going to be myself. So <laughs> I, just said, yeah. I said, I'm opening up my own practice. I, I couldn't do it. And mm-hmm. um, there was a study, the Mercatus, um, the Mercatus study, mm-hmm. which was funded by the Koch brothers. Is it Koch or Koch?
1: Um, Anyway, I like
0: Cockworks by by the Koch brothers. And, you know, they're very conservative. And their study showed Mm -hmm. that Medicare for all would save like two trillion dollars over a 10 year period. So Medicare Mm -hmm. for all is the right thing to do, but it's also the fiscally responsible thing to do. Medicare Mm -hmm. for all should be that one issue that conservatives and liberals should be able to rally around because it's like, hey, it's the right thing to do. But also it saves money. Mm -hmm. So if anybody was going to fund a study that would say that Medicare for all is going to bankrupt us, I would expect it to be the Mercatus study. But it found the exact opposite, that it is going (laughs) to save us trillions over the next decade So we cannot afford to continue on the same course that we're going today. Uh, Medicare for all is gonna save lives. It's gonna save money. It's gonna help um, decrease health disparities because every time in this nation where where you've made efforts to ensure more people, whether it be uh, expanding Medicaid or the Mm -hmm. Affordable Care Act, every single time there is still a disproportionate amount of poor black and brown people left uninsured every time Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. the only way to eliminate that coverage disparity is to cover everyone and it's really frustrating and i know why it's because of money and the money in politics but Mm -hmm. you have somebody who's as a presidential candidate he's saying look i got this this idea it's not even radical because every other developed nation <laughs> in the world does it. Let, we've, try,
1: we've been trying to pass it for like decades, you know, every 20 years right, it comes up.
0: Right, Medicaid, The Medicare we have now was really supposed to be for everyone.
1: But anyway, you have
0: this candidate and he's saying, look, I got an idea. Let's give everyone health insurance, right? This shouldn't mm-hmm. even be a political issue issue this is just a a basic human decency (laughs) issue and then you have some other candidates and they're saying well let's give some people Some health insurance. I I just I can't wrap my mind around it. I don't understand why we feel that any politician should have the right to pick and choose who gets to Mm -hmm. live and who gets to die, especially in a nation as wealthy as ours. It boggles Mm -hmm. my mind. I don't see why anybody would consider any candidate who is not saying, look, if you're human, you deserve health care. We can afford it. I have this study. It mm-hmm. was funded by some conservative brothers, but <laughs> I have this study that shows you not only can you have health care, but it's going to save our nation trillions of dollars. And why would not yeah. everybody be on board? Why would everybody not be on board for that? And when people say, oh, I don't want to pay for somebody else's health care or somebody else's hip replacement, which is an argument I hear from time to time. Mm-hmm. Well, Number one, you don't understand how insurance works because <laughs> when you, you pay, are paying already. <laughs> when you pay your premium, you you don't get sick that year, you've paid for somebody else's healthcare. So number one, you're wrong from a basic fundamental understanding of what insurance is. And number two, <laughs> that argument is rooted in racism. What they really mean yes. is they don't want to pay for somebody who's black, they don't want to pay for somebody who's undocumented. It, that mm-hmm. whole argument of I don't want to pay for somebody else's is rooted in racism because you know mm-hmm. what happens when those same people have a medical tragedy <laughs> and they can't afford it? What do they do? They go start a GoFund. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: Yeah. I mean, yeah. And then when, well, when you need your hip replaced, right, when you're 75 years old, like you better be glad that a whole bunch of other people were willing to pay for
0: it. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. Let's just put all of our money into one GoFundMe pool so that Mm -hmm. whenever whenever anybody gets sick, whether it be you, your loved one, your grandchildren, your great grandchildren, that they'll be taken care of at no cost. So I have I had a patient and he was from I forget where he's from, but he was from another country Mm -hmm. and he uh, where they guarantee health care so pick one uh, um why did he move <laughs> <laughs> for, for work for work <laughs> but he still goes back home to get his health care uh-huh. because it's like he has a deductible of course. cost i hear that all here. of the time yeah. and he says you know we in the u.s he says you guys we don't have as, as, as great of a sense of community and, and great of a sense of connection he mm-hmm. says you know in his country feel like yeah you know we're we're all in this together we we all deserve health care we're in mm-hmm. the us we're more we're more caught up on well i don't believe undocumented people should have health care i don't believe people in prison should vote or i don't you know we're we're too we we're not taking it from a human perspective standpoint we're humans we're all in this together and mm-hmm. that's a mind shift that we have to have medicare for all says hey We are all in this together. We are all humans. We are going to cover everyone. We're going to have everyone's back. Medicare for all who wants it says, Mm -hmm. basically, you're on your own and you Mm -hmm. can only be healthy
1: if you're wealthy. That's Mm -hmm. the difference between the two. Mm -hmm. Right. Medicare for all who want it is the most false of false choices possible. You know, if, if, if this whole like argument of, oh, we can't eliminate private insurance because we're going to remove choice. The only choice we're removing is the, the boss's choice, your <laughs> employer's choice, your employer's tether or leverage in order to like oppress your your labor and, and make you work for less and, and lock exactly. you into your job.
0: Exactly. It was a recent study that um, people who are wealthy, they live, oh my gosh, what was it? it was seven or nine years longer. Nine, than, yes. Nine, nine years longer. And it's basically by paying us these slave wages, they're basically mm-hmm. sucking our life force out of us so that they can <laughs> live longer, healthier lives. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it's insane. So give us Medicare for all. We're going to save money. We're going to be able to negotiate higher wages because we're not trying mm-hmm. to get our health care benefits from employers. And it's going to be a win-win situation for everybody. Yeah. So
1: as it stands now, what, what resources do you have to help your patients who are rationing their medications? I mean, how much longer can this go on before we're facing, you know, just the death of a generation? It, it, it's very stressful. It's very stressful. I have some people who I, if I
0: haven't heard from them in a while... I just call, or have my staff call to check on, basically is to do a wellness check because I like know that they can't afford one of their Mm life-saving medications and I'm just calling to make sure that they haven't passed and somebody hasn't told me. That's how serious it is. Um, I'm a small Mm -hmm. practice and I get very few samples. Um, Mm -hmm. I allow samples of medicines that my patients can't get. Um, at low cost. So Mm -hmm. insulin, because there's no generic insulin, certain asthma Mm -hmm. inhalers, I'll allow those samples. But if it's just some fancy brand name drug that I know I can get my patients for cheaper, I don't ever keep those samples. Mm -hmm. So I get few samples and there's certain people where I know I don't have enough to get them through the whole 12 months. Mm -hmm. And I'm just praying that you know, something happens that I can, that they get what they need. I I tell people, you know, Christmas is coming up. Can you ask somebody to pay for your insulin this month as a Christmas gift? I mean, those are the sorts of things that I have to say to people in order to help get their medicines covered. So it it is really stressful. I worry and stress out about a lot of people who I know need medications that they can't afford. Mm -hmm. Um, insurance, uh, not insurance, pharmaceutical companies, some of them will have coupons and prescription assistance um, for people who, but some of them are limited Mm -hmm. to only people who don't have insurance. So if you have insurance, but you have a $5,000 deductible, they're not going to help you, which having insurance and having a $5,000 deductible and making $12 an hour, that's pretty much
1: not, not having can't. insurance. Right. But yeah,
0: yeah. And there's very few that will help you if you meet certain income guidelines, even if you do mm-hmm. have insurance. So when that's a possibility, I fill out the forms for the patient. And I'm, I'm so glad that I trained in Detroit and Flint because I learned about these things training in these areas. Mm-hmm. Um If I would have trained exclusively in a more affluent area, I might not know about it. But yeah, I am always Googling patient uh, prescription assistance and patient coupons. And I have patients Mm -hmm. who come to me and they're new and they're like, wow, why didn't my doctor ever tell me about yeah. this. And I'm not saying the prior <laughs> doctor wasn't a good right. doctor, but no. I'm just very cost conscious right. because right. I know that everything costs so much um, in this day and age. I don't. or And sometimes people wonder, well, why aren't you ordering a ton more tests on me? And I'm like, well, I'll order the <laughs> tests if you want to, but they're not medically necessary. And I'm, I know you have a deductible. Right. And so I'm right. trying to be mindful of your cost concerns. Right. Mm-hmm. So, I have a limited amount of options to help my patients, but most mm-hmm. of the charity care type programs are for people who fall through that crack. They make a little bit too much money for Medicaid, but mm-hmm. they don't have a job where they got, they have benefits. But that's just mm-hmm. a small percentage of the population. The majority mm-hmm. of my patients who are struggling are people who work full time. People who work full time, they're getting paid too little and their company in order to save money has shifted them to high deductible plans.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah.
2: Yeah. I I mean, it's, it's kind of a crazy thing that like, you know, you mentioned like other doctors, right? Like don't necessarily think all that much about, uh, sort of like what their patients would necessarily have to pay for their medications. It's definitely something that doesn't get to my knowledge taught in medical school. Right. To think about like, you know, and, and. And on some level, why should it? Right. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, this this shouldn't have to factor into any of your decisions, your medical decisions. Right. I mean, it shouldn't. You, and should be, you should
0: focusing on the patient, giving the patient what we think is best for them, and having some yeah, reassurance, mm-hmm. knowing that they're going to be able to afford it. And I mm-hmm. ask some people, you know, maybe their their specialist, their cardiologist, wrote them a medication. You know, are you taking that medication your cardiologist wrote you? No. Why? I can't afford it. Why didn't you tell them? Why didn't you call them back and tell them? And they'll just tell me it's it's embarrassing, and it is. It's embarrassing mm-hmm. to mm-hmm. have to tell somebody to be be vulnerable and tell somebody mm-hmm. that you can't afford something something as important as medication. So right. um, because of my training, I always ask and I say there's never any reason to be embarrassed about that. And if you feel embarrassed about that, you can always call me. I can call the doctor for you if you feel more mm-hmm. comfortable telling me. But there's people who can't afford their medicines and they're not telling their doctor simply because it's a, they feel like it's an embarrassing thing. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming that that also just goes back to like Having a doctor who comes from your community and who looks like you, right? I mean, S- you know.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm, in America now, you know, we're punished for needing care, and they also punish the people who are helping us. You know, it's uh, they punish people who care for us. You know what I mean? It's we're in an unsustainable. Spiral right now cannot cur- continue to dis- sustain this current system and and
0: again like I said these handful of people who think they like their ins- they like their mm-hmm. insurance and the only reason they like it is because it's better than somebody else's that's the only <laughs> reason they like it yeah. eventually mm-hmm. their employer is going to go bankrupt or the costs are rising so much their employer is going to decide that they're going to stop covering some of the things that they cover now or mm-hmm. they're, they're going to decide that they're going to cheap to a to a to a less expensive plan. Um, This current model is not sustainable. And I have people who are engineers. I have people who are doctors mm -hmm, who ask me, is there any cheaper alternative? Is there any, do I absolutely need this test because I have this high deductible? So it is affecting everyone. And like I said, I feel like it's really something that we as a nation should be able to rally around. And if you Mm -hmm. have some friends who are more conservative, just point them to the Mercatus study and say, look, (laughs) this is fiscally responsible. This is going to save us money. Forget, you know, trying to appeal to them. Hey, it's going to save lives. Look, this is going to save our country money. America is great. Let's save America some money by switching to Medicare (laughs) for All. (laughs)
2: <laughs> absolutely i think you won't have to worry about that with our listeners because uh, for the most <laughs> part they're pretty on board
1: <laughs> yes <laughs> but again. that's a i kind of like that as a you know if you want to save some money if you want to be fiscally responsible you have no other options except no substitutes other than single payer free at the point of service with the jobs program yeah absolutely <laughs> that's the only way to do it and i'm really excited
0: that the um uh, which who came out in support of it. The American College of Physicians came out in supporting yeah. uh, mm-hmm. Medicare for All. I was really excited about that to see that because traditionally, um, I don't know if you heard of the AMA, American Medical yes. Association. Oh, yes. <laughs> I mean, they were against medic- the current Medicare that we have now. Um, yes. So I wasn't expecting much for them, but um, doctors do support at least... 50% of doctors support Medicare for All. Um, mm-hmm. There is an organization, I don't know if you are familiar with it, Beatrice and Vince, um, Doctors for Bernie. It's a grassroots organization um, of doctors who support single-payer Medicare for All, and they support Bernie and his policies, and they're mm-hmm. writing op-eds, and, and, and they're campaigning for him. Have you heard of heard of that? organization. I actually haven't, no. um, but I'm yeah. going to definitely look it up. It's a grassroots yeah, we, organization. Yeah. Um, you can find them at docs underscore four underscore Bernie um, on Twitter and they are a grassroots group of doctors who support Bernie. And again, um, we recently had the American College of Physicians, which is really exciting. Um, but I think at the end of the day, it's the right thing to do. But doctors are getting burnt out. I mean, there's no way that you can become a doctor and go to work and write people medicine and know that they can't afford it and you cannot feel burnt out and sad. There's like no way any person with any Mm -hmm. little bit of compassion can feel that the current system that we have is a worthwhile one. Um, When I'm really worried about patients um, and I have to send them to call them and tell them, you know what, I need you to go to the ER. That's the only way we're going to solve this problem. Right. Their first response is always, Oh, I'm not going to be able to afford that. Are there any other options? Right. And that should not be something that happens in this mm-hmm. wealthy nation. We've paid for our healthcare, but instead of go- those dollars going to us, they're going to healthcare CEOs, they're going to hospital administrators, they're going to big pharma to put on all these commercials. That's mm-hmm. where our healthcare dollars are mm-hmm. going. And they should be yeah. going to take care of us. I just want to be Mm -hmm. able to go to work one day and know that everything that I wrote or ordered for my patient is going to be covered in full. And when you talk about this, this uh, Medicare Advantage, let's talk about Medicare Advantage programs. Um, Medicare Advantage. (laughs) It has advantage in the name because Medicare Advantage takes advantage of packs tax, of taxpayers. <laughs> <laughs> Don't believe me,
1: google it.
0: Hell yes, I Medicare love it. Medicare <laughs> Advantage robs taxpayers of billions, billions with the B mm-hmm. dollars annually. Oh yeah. They do these false coding. They say they cherry pick patients so they cherry pick and pick patients that aren't that very sick. Okay. Mm-hmm. But then they falsely inflate the data to say that they're really sick so that they get paid more. So they lie and they rob taxpayers of billions of dollars annually. Mm-hmm. Google it. Mm-hmm. And then mm-hmm. what they do is after they've cherry picked, if you do get cancer after they've accepted you on their Medicare Advantage plan, then they'll mm-hmm. lemon drop you. They'll say, oh, we we cherry picked you. You thought you were healthy. Now you have cancer. So we're going to try to find a way to get you to Kick yourself off of our program. So what they might mm-hmm. do is they'll say, oh, the major cancer center in town is no longer covered by our plan. So what mm-hmm. do you do? If you have Medicare Advantage and you have cancer and the major cancer center in town is no longer in your network, you're going to mm-hmm. leave. So they cherry yep. pick you. And then when you get sick, they lemon drop you. And they falsely they falsely bill. And the government does had still not found out how to get these billions of of dollars back that they have robbed us. So, anybody advocating for the public option, which is going to include Medicare Advantage programs. So, somebody says Medicare Advantage, (laughs) run, run if they say Medicare Advantage. They are talking about letting these private health insurance companies take advantage of the health. I'm sorry, take advantage Mm -hmm. of the taxpayers. And that is Absolutely unacceptable. And it's disgusting that any politician would allow it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Hell yeah. And if we continue at our current pace, Medicare Advantage is rapidly like hurtling forwards towards like a 70% market share of all Medicare recipients by 2030. So we kind of don't really have time to sit around and, you know, do a four-year transition, or do a, oh. you know, ten-year transition. We like you need Medicare you know. for all yesterday,
0: and you know, with when yeah. people have straight Medicare, just Medicare, not this advantage stuff. And I, if I need to I give them that, a, yeah. a CAT scan or, a, or 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 MRI, you know what I do? I write them an order, and they go get it. But if they have some yep. of these me- Medicare Advantage plans, I have to do that whole prior off calling somebody who's right. not a doctor and begging them to pay for this test that my patient really needs. That's what the Medicare. Ed- so what advantage has it given to the patient? Right. It's, given, <laughs> it's given them no advantage. The only thing it's taken advantage of is the taxpayers by right. falsely billing and robbing us of billions of dollars. So mm-hmm. even though medi- the Medicare that we have now is not perfect, um, it's, it's it's very liked it's, po- it's mm-hmm. popular program and what we are going to do we're going to take it and we're going to make it even better we're mm-hmm. going to cover dental we're going to cover vision we're going to cover hearing aids we're going to going to cover long term care and mm-hmm. we're going to eliminate that donut hole thing what I just told you yeah. mm-hmm. we're going to eliminate that donut hole we're going to eliminate that 20% cost sharing so yep. medicare even as it stands is a popular program and we are going to make it even better and we are going to save money doing it
1: right for sure. Hell yeah. I think that's kind of like a great place for us to end it. But is there anything that, that we haven't covered that you wanted to talk about? Oh, I think the Medicare Advantage. Yeah, I think that's a good place to end. There's this, yeah. no, no no middle ground, Medicare
0: for all, no yes. middle ground. It is the only way it's going to save money. It's going to eliminate the red tape um, for physicians. And, and it's it's just the right thing to do. It's just the right thing
1: to do. Yes, yep. we we agree. Thank you so much, Dr. Dooley. We really appreciate you coming on today. Um, where can people find you? You Can find me at Dr.
0: Dooley M.D. on social media. That's at D R D O O L E Y M D. And I had so much fun talking to you. It went by oh, so quick. If you ever want I could talk about stuff like this all day long. So please, I think <laughs> next time. Me
1: back- I think next time we have an episode where we're going to cover Medicare Advantage, we definitely got to have you come on the panel as an honorary member of the panel for the day so we can all um, bitch and moan about it because... (laughs) Okay, excellent. One of our favorite topics. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. It was a pleasure. Thank Thank you you so much. much.
2: Thank you for listening to Medicare for all week from the death panel. Subscribe wherever podcasts are distributed to hear a brand new interview on single-payer healthcare every day until the 11th of February. And support us at patreon.com slash pod for patron-only episodes, and to help us make series like Medicare for all week possible. We are entirely listener-supported and extremely lacking in quality healthcare. Goodbye for now. Until next time. Patreon.com slash death